Hello and welcome to the new episode of the Tennis Fanless Podcast. I'm Marcus Alley hosting today and it's back to basics, no guests, just the usual two. Joining me as always is Michael Gillick providing his expert insight and opinion. Yeah, morning Marcus. Um, bit of a sombre mood this morning to be honest with the, the soul-crushing viewings yesterday of the... Uh, it was meant to be the day of the next gen. It was all looking so good by about two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And um, yeah, we'll be talking about what exactly went wrong yesterday uh, for a certain Italian. Before we get into the tennis action on the court, and obviously that devastating defeat in the end for Lorenzo Massetti yesterday, just wanted to touch on arguably the greatest player in the world. I know that's definitely a statement that we don't agree with, maybe the most easy on the eye player ever in, in men's tennis, and that's Roger Federer, who took the decision to not show up, uh, to withdraw from the tournament after his third round win over Dominic Kurtfer. Uh, which was a really interesting match. Uh, four sets, three of them tie breaks, one of them 7-5. And uh, yeah, Federer just scraping through against the German. I think it was sort of pushing four hours that match. So he took the decision to, without being injured, um, conserve his energy and uh, preserve his fitness for the grass court season. Now, this definitely didn't sit well with me. I'm going to go to you first, um, just to see what, what your thoughts are. It's definitely got a lot of mixed reviews for me, I feel like because it's Roger Federer, it's been viewed a lot more politely and with a lot more uh, respect than maybe it, it definitely would have been if it was possibly any other player, I think you could say. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on his decision to pull out? Well, firstly, um, I know you started off that bit saying that we we disagree with him being the greatest player in the world. I'll, I'll just say, I'll probably say that for me, whoever has the most grand slams, can comfortably hold that title. So at the moment, I'd still say Federer and Nadal deserve it, but I would I would say that Djokovic will probably end up with more than Federer, as will Nadal. But um, it's a real tough one um, with the whole situation. I think I get the decision. Don't get me wrong. If I'm Roger Federer, I completely get why I made this decision. His chances at Wimbledon are much better. Um, he made, he was able to make the final of the last one when everyone had already written him off, really. Um, and he should have won it, really. So I think we can all understand that the chances are much better at Wimbledon. However, I'm sort of in agreement with you. I, I do think it's wrong. I think even if you think you're not going to win that match against Berrettini, I'm not saying you should go out on court with the mentality that you're going to throw the match. And because I don't think Federer will want to do that. But I, I still think you've got to play that match, even if you're not going to give it 100% and, and you know, really put your body on the line for it. If you're going to be in the middle of a really tough point and you've got balls that you really need to run for and, and you think, you know, OK, I can let this one go. I know that Federer doesn't want to do that because, you know, he he he's seen as this great and, and he doesn't want to sort of tarnish his reputation by seeing to tank a match, essentially. But... I think you have to play the match. I, d I do agree that I think it's been treated with a lot more respect because it's Federer on ITV4 all week. And I've, I've got a lot to say about their coverage of tennis. Um, you know, all of these guys have been sort of agreeing with Federer. And I don't really think anyone's holding him to account so much. Um, I, I think someone's kind of got to, got to just kind of say it how it is. And I, I do think it, 
it, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me, to be honest. Um, I get the decision, but I, I do disagree. Yeah, for me, I think it mainly comes from like a a sympathetic uh, feeling towards Dominic Kurtfer. I mean, I, I thought he played so well in that match. Um, obviously, loses two tie breaks could have gone either way. Um, he, he could have pulled off a, a really good upset. So I, I just feel like compared to how hard Federer had to work for that win in the third round to then reach the fourth round and kind of snub it and, and just walk off when that would have been like enormous for someone like Dominic Kurtzer. You know, he's, he's had to put, produce such a good level of tennis to get past him. I think uh, the German sort of 26, maybe a, a career high ranking, pushing the top 50. It would have been an incredible opportunity for him to play a French Open fourth round against Matteo Berrettini. And Federer, who had to produce the best tennis we've probably seen from him since uh, his, his comeback this year in that match to get there and then and then just kind of walks away, acts a little bit too big for it. Um, it just not a nice touch, really, I think. Yeah, I just feel bad for Kurtfer because um, if Federer's fitness was such a concern, then... Why not? I don't know. Just retire in that match or something. Obviously, he wasn't going to do that because and and Kurtford did lose the match, so obviously he should be out of the tournament. But it's just a bit of a strange one. He can play close to four hours and then doesn't fancy going on and and trying some things and maybe taking a beating in two and a half three hours off of Matteo Berrettini. I don't think he would have even gone into that match as favourite if he hadn't mentioned any tiredness or any fitness concerns. So. Yeah, it's a surprising one. I think he's disrespected the tournament a little bit. Um, yeah, he's treated it as like a, a pre-season friendly. Um, so, yes, I do understand why he wants to look after his body at 39 and move on to the grass court season. But for me, the commitment was there in all three games, uh, through all three matches that, that he played and that he won. So to just write off the fourth one did come a little bit suddenly for me. Like it wasn't pulling up with many injuries. It might've been tired, but you know, it's a fourth round of a grand slam. Even though you've got Rafael Nadal waiting for you on your side of the draw, it, it leaves a sour taste in the mouth to say, yeah, don't, don't fancy that when you're in the last 16 of a grand slam. Yeah. And, and we, we haven't talked about it yet, but potentially his last round of Garros as well. Um, I think that's kind of, hard on the French tennis fans you know I know Federer hasn't been as like dominant at the French Open ever he's only won it once I think 2009 um, I, I think it is disrespectful for the tournament I do um, I think if you're Matteo Berrettini you're laughing um, you know he now gets to go on to that Djokovic match fresh Djokovic had to play over a good few hours yesterday and obviously the last three sets as we're going to talk about it um were a bit more comfortable for him, but he still was out on court. He still will have to recover from that match. Berrettini, a player that has struggled with fitness before, but is very, very fit when when he's um, when he's playing. You know, he's someone who can go long matches. Um, he, he is a real athlete, so I do think Berrettini's laughing. Do, I'm just asking: Do you think? And I know this sounds like a weird suggestion, uh, and and I think the answer to this is no. I think my answer to this is no, but it's an interesting point. Do we think that Dominic Kofer could have been allowed to play against Berrettini in the fourth round? It's it's a funny one. Um, personally, I, I, I think no, because I don't think you should win a Grand Slam uh, having lost a match. But then again, 
can you get into a Grand Slam as a lucky loser? I think, yeah, I think you can. Um, so it is still possible. I just don't see a feasible way where that can't sort of hurt the integrity of it, particularly losing a main draw match. Because even though, you know, it is the slimmest chance that Dominic Kurtfer will go on and win the tournament from there, it would be so strange and just wrong in terms of the integrity of, of sport if, if he did manage to do that. So sadly not. But that is the main thing that annoys me. It's kind of like Federer working so hard to snatch the opportunity of a fourth round tie run on Gauss away from Dominic Kurtfer and then turning his nose up at it once he'd sort of achieved that feat. It's like taking a toy off a kid, basically, in terms of the sort of level and, and achievements that they've had in, in their career. So, yeah, that's the, the, the main point that uh, makes me frustrated about the decision is, is feeling a bit sorry for Dominic Kerfer because he did play so well in that match um, and, and, and maybe deserved a, a, a crack at Berrettini in the last 16. Anyway, uh, I think we're going to move on from that and on to the quarterfinals that we've got lying ahead of us. We're going to start on the men's side and we're going to go from the bottom of the draw to the top as those fixtures are uh, taking place today. I'm going to start with the earliest match on the men's draw, which is Alexander Zverev, the German who is looking oh so good on the clay courts, which I, I predicted him to go out in the third round I think it was the Corentin Mute but he really has proved me wrong one of his doubters he's definitely proved me wrong you know went five sets with Oscar Otte in the first round but he's won three matches back to back in straight sets after that uh, disposing of difficult players in Laszlo Jerry and Kei Nishikori in his last two matches and he faces the absolute Spanish warrior that is Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, one of my favourite players to watch at the moment. That match against Kasper Ruud, I'm sure we'll come on to, was absolutely incredible. Um, has had a much more of a, a tricky run to, to the quarterfinal, we'd have to say. It's his first Grand Slam quarterfinal at the age of 21. Uh, getting past Mikhail Kukushkin, then Botic van der Zanschol, then Kasper Ruud, and Federico Delmonis, which he actually came in as an outsider yesterday, uh, managed to get past the inform Argentine in, in four sets. This could be, be a really interesting matchup. It's 2 0 to Zverev on the head to head record. I think one of those wins came at, came at the US Open last year. So he's got experience of, of beating him, I think it was in, in straight sets at a slam. So, yeah, uh, there's a never say die attitude coming from the Spaniard, but Zverev has got to be the pick here. He, he looks in really in fine form. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating match. Um, I think we've seen every aspect of Alexander Zverev over these last four matches. We've seen the kind of unreliable, double fault-prone uh, player against Oscar Otte um, and actually against Roman Safiulin. Uh, he won it in straights, but he was pushed in every single one. The Russian played fantastically. And, and that, for me, is one of the, the biggest matches I think I've seen in the Grand Slam where I've felt uh, a player... It's done a player very harshly not to have a set at all uh, for Roman Safiulin. Um, and then after those matches, especially Nishikori the other night, fantastic. Um, Zverev played him off the court. I, I went for Nishikori to win that match. Um, and I know you had Nishikori to get make the semi-final and I was thinking that was going to be a cracking prediction. Um, and, and Nishikori got no say. So I think it's a very interesting one. When they met at the US Open, it was the fourth round. Um, and Davidovich Fakina had actually been pushed quite a bit already. Five sets against Denis Novak, uh, four sets against Herkash. 
uh, and then four sets against uh, Cameron Norrie. And he's been pushed quite a lot so far, as you say, the two five setters and a four set against Del East. It was a hard match. Um, did very well to come through against the Argentine. But uh, yeah, I, I can't see anything other than uh, as very straight sets, to be honest. I think if Zverev plays like he did against Nishikori, he'll be winning it quite comfortably. For me, Davidovich Fakina is a very impressive player. I still have my concerns about him a little bit. Um, I, I don't know what it is. When I watch him play, I, I just he's certainly not the full package yet. Don't get me wrong. I know he's only 46th in the world. He's only 22. He's still got a long way to go. But um, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I still have some doubts about him and, and wonder uh, how far he will go in the game. Could... Uh, regret these words quite a lot in five years' time after he's won sort of seven Grand Slams. But, um, yeah, I, I've got to go for Zverev in straights. Really interesting match. Uh, Zverev's never lost a set to ADF uh, across their, their five sets that they played. And, and I think that's going to continue today. Um, but then with Zverev, you know, it all depends what Zverev you're going to get. You never know. If we get the Zverev that we saw against Otte and Safiunin, uh, then I would maybe say Davidic Fakina is favourite. It, it's really hard, but I'm, I'm just going by the Zverev that I saw in the fourth round. Yeah, there definitely is an unpredictable element when it comes to Alexander Zverev, whether he's going to be at sort of 20% or 90 or 100%. Um, but I think the time on court might wane on ADF here in such a physical match that Zverev will produce from the other side of the court. So I'm going to have to agree with you and go with Alexander Zverev in three sets. Uh, moving on to the second quarter final that takes place today, and that's maybe the favourite to to reach the final. I'm sure one of uh, Alexander Zverev and ADF will have will have plenty to say about that. But Stefanos Tsitsipas against Daniil Medvedev somehow as as world number two, one of the surprise packages of the French Open. Um, Tsitsipas has only dropped one set uh, that came in his last match to Pablo Carreno Busta. Uh, no, sorry. That's wrong. That came in his match against John Isner. Um, he actually got past Pablo Carreno Busta in, in straights in the last round, which uh, is, is, is easier said than done. Uh, the 22-year-old definitely looking a lot more comfortable on the clay in his career so far than Daniil Medvedev, who's produced his best run at the French Open by an absolute mile. Had never won a match there before. Now he's won four, beating Bublik, Tommy Paul, Opelka and Christian Garin in straight sets yesterday, which he made um, he made really light work of. Actually, I think it was a couple of days ago now, but the Chilean, a clay court specialist, to, to knock him apart in straight sets must be quite demoralising. You know, Garen goes into that match thinking, you hate playing on this and I love playing on it and then gets gets thrown aside in, in straights. Um, it's quite an interesting matchup, this, I think, because Medvedev will feel like he's got nothing to lose, even though, you know, he's made uh, two Grand Slam finals and has a 6-1 head-to-head record over Sitsipas, So it is an interesting one. I'm sure the Greek will come in as favourite, but that might weigh on his mind a little as well. Yeah, that's a fascinating head-to-head, actually. I wasn't aware of that. Um, 6-1 to Medvedev. It's, uh, surprised me, actually. I'm not... Uh, usually I'm looking up the head-to-heads before these matches, but um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have got that. I... I think similar, similarly to Zverev, we've seen quite a few uh, different elements to Medvedev this week. I didn't see any of his match against Bublik, but uh, I did see his match against Tommy Paul uh, because there was nothing that would compel me to watch England against Austria. Um, so I enjoyed Medvedev, Tommy Paul. Um, and when he lost that, I think it was the first set to Tommy Paul, 
Um, he just wasn't looking at it at all. I was thinking, here we go, another early exit for Medvedev at the French Open. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and then he looked really good. I watched him against Garin the other day. Uh, and, and just come through against Opelka in straight sets is, is very impressive as well. So I give him a lot of chance against his pass. I do think it's one of the biggest uh, amounts of pressure I think I can ever remember being on Sitspass at a Grand Slam because he's never made that final. As soon as we saw the draw and we got the big three all in one half of the draw and Sitspass in the half of the draw with the unreliables wherever, Medvedev, who's never won a match at the French, all of the pressure was suddenly heaped on, on the Greek player to make the final. And the way he's played so far, that hasn't changed anything. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how he copes against Medvedev. We, I know that Sitspas is very good in pressure moments. He beat Nadal in five sets earlier in Australia. And I think that was proved to me that he's possibly the, the mentally uh, strongest player out of these these guys coming up to challenge the big three. And this is a another sort of chapter of that mental test of Sitsipas. Um so yeah, it's it is a fascinating match and I'm really looking forward to watching it. Uh, I think it's the night match. Uh, yes it is the night match which uh, I, I think are they have they got fans in for the night match this week? I'm not sure. No, it's still the same. I know it's been because the the fans increase now because of their lockdown but I think it might still be, be behind closed doors maybe tonight which will be a big shame because the atmosphere on a Philip Chaperet would be massive for this match um, so yeah I give I give Medvedev a big chance I'm going to say sits passing five sets uh, as a prediction that I never thought I'd be making at the, the beginning of the tournament If I would have thought if this came up uh, it would be straight sets sits pass all day but um, yeah Medvedev's Definitely been the surprise package. Um, definitely don't think he can win it with a certain Spaniard in the top half of the draw, but um, he could make the final if he if he play if he carries on playing well. Uh, he certainly could make the final, and I think that would be fascinating and, and a massive upset. Okay, so yeah, not not going for the the big shock, but yeah, I definitely think Medvedev takes a set here. Um, maybe pushes six past to five. I don't know. No, I think Sitsipas can rally and, and get it done in four sets. Um, so that'll do for the for the bottom half of the draw in terms of our men's predictions at this the quarterfinal stage. Back to the top and the top seed Novak Djokovic facing Matteo Berrettini, of course, fresh off the back of that walkover. Um, before we go into this, so they've only met once uh, Djokovic taking the win there, but let's talk about Djokovic's last 16 tie against Lorenzo Massetti, losing the first two sets on a tie break, then winning the third 6-1, the fourth 6-love, and then seeing the 19-year-old retire while he was 4-love up in the fifth set, which Massetti actually said after the game that he it, it wasn't really due to injury, he just felt like he was so tired, he felt like he couldn't win another point. Um, so rather than let the crowd watch that, he decided to retire, which is quite a strange approach. But, um, you know, it just speaks to how Djokovic really just destroyed any self-belief or any sort of anything he had left on the court, you know, winning 16, I think. Yeah, 16 games to one after going two sets down is pretty ridiculous. Um I know you found it a little soul crushing to watch, but uh, yeah, what did you make of it? We've got to, we've got to give some credit to the man for for that comeback. 
a little soul destroying it ruined my day um you know even my housemates who aren't hugely into tennis were gripped by the first two sets it was some of the most exciting tennis it was it exceeded Nadal Tsitsipas um at the Australian for those first two sets I was loving it uh, and don't get me wrong and 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 my housemate will back me up for this uh I, I said quote uh when Massetti was two sets up, I said, this is the first time in the match I give Massetti a 50% chance of winning. I said, even at two sets up, it's still 50-50 who wins this. But uh, I was not expecting that. Um, how soul-destroying for Lorenzo Massetti, uh, for me, for everyone, um, it was gutting. It really was. Um, yeah, I just don't know what to say. Uh, Djokovic, to be fair, was fantastic. I think Massetti won three or four points in the whole fourth set. Um, it was one of the most depressing things I've ever watched. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm laughing about it now, but it's still infuriating, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see what effect this has on Massetti, because I know at the end of the day, you know, he's still only 19. He was world number 76 when he played Djokovic yesterday. That will obviously improve after this tournament. Um, so there was no pressure on him at all. Uh, I think I said Djokovic in straight sets before the match. Um, I didn't really give Massetti any chance. But God, that's good. That's that's surely got to hurt. Uh, I, I do wonder how he's feeling today. Um, I wonder that there's possibly half of his brain sort of saying, "Well done." You know, those first two sets show that you can do it. Um, and, and, you know, if that's an ATP tour match, uh, best of three sets, you know, he's won the match. Um, but, um, yeah, there's also going to be another part of his head that I think is going to be feeling very low this morning. Um, and, yeah, it, it was horrible to watch. I, I wish I'd watched, stopped watching after the second set. And, um, it, it, yeah, it was quite, yeah, it was quite soul-destroying. Yeah, I, I kind of expected Djokovic to win that third set after he'd made such a big thing of going off for a little break to compose himself. You know, he won that third set 6-1. And then I was thinking, even though it was in really destructive fashion that he did it, I was thinking in the fourth set, Massetti would be able to reset and at least compete, maybe lose that one sort of 6-4, 6-3, and then we go again in the fifth. But he just had no answers. Um I was also just thinking, yeah, Clay is probably Djokovic's worst surface and Musetti's best. So, I don't know. I, I just expected a little bit more of a fight back. I know physically he, he couldn't handle it in the end, but after the third set, I thought that might be the most one-sided of all five sets in the match. But the procession, the procession just carried on and there was nothing really the, the Italian could do about it. Fair play to Djokovic. I mean, incredible, really after going two sets down, so only dropped one more game in the rest of the match. But anyway, on to his opponent, uh, Matteo Berrettini, who's had quite a, yeah, probably the most kind draw of any semi-finalist left in the tournament, a quarter-finalist, I beg your pardon, beating Taro Daniel in four sets in the first round, then for beating Federico Correa and Kwon Soon Wu in straights, and then obviously the walkover against Roger Federer, which means he should come into this match quite uh, fresh, quite... His, his fitness levels should maybe be a little bit uh, better. You know, he should have plenty of recovery time to get ready for this match. But also, I'd, I'd say that the Massetti match will probably do Djokovic a lot of good. Um, it's, it's good to get tested along the way. You could argue that Berrettini dropping that set to Taro Daniel in the first round might have 
might have made him have to show a little bit of resolve. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I know you've definitely got maybe a, a controversial call for this, but for me, I think the Serbian will be rampant after that win. I don't know if my controversial call is out of hope more than um, uh, actual thought. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Berrettini, for me, could definitely push Djokovic in this match. Obviously, the extra bit of energy uh, conserved for missing the, the Federer match will help him. But as we know, that doesn't really impact Djokovic so much. Um, he... He's an incredible athlete. I didn't really talk too much about Djokovic in that last bit when I was talking about Massetti. He, he was fantastic yesterday. Djokovic, no, cannot take it away from him. It was fantastic how he turned that match around. And it's just a testament to what an athlete he is. Um, faced once before Djokovic winning that uh, in straight sets. That was actually at the ATP Tour Finals. Um yeah, I want to give Berrettini a chance, though, I do. He, he's looked very good on the clay all year. Um, he, he does like Grand Slams. He's, he's got a good Grand Slam record, Berrettini. For, you know, he hasn't played an awful lot of Grand Slams, age of 25. Played a lot less than uh, Djokovic, of course. But uh, I, I really want to go for Berrettini, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm uh, going to... Uh, change it and bottle it at the last minute no I'll stick by my guns uh, I'm going to go Berrettini in, in five sets but uh, I don't actually think that uh, that's the sort of term and condition to that um, I don't actually believe that I'm right I'm just sort of saying it because I want it to happen Yeah I'd be all here for that um, I'm going to go Djokovic in three I'd, I do rate Berrettini he's having a really good season on the clay um, but I just think this Djokovic would have got a bit of extra momentum from the way the manner of the victory against Massetti. And I think, yeah, Berrettini hasn't really got past anyone that I didn't expect him to get past in very straightforward fashion so far this tournament. So I'm going to have to go for the Serbian player. The last quarterfinal is Nadal versus Schwartzman. 10-1 uh, head-to-head record for Rafael Nadal. Uh, Schwartzman, uh, his one victory did come on clay, so maybe a little bit of belief can be drawn from that. Nadal, neither player actually have dropped a set yet in the tournament, which is quite impressive. Obviously, Nadal was fortunate to to get away with a straight six win over Alexei Popirin in the very first round. The Australian having a couple of great chances to win what I think was the third set in that match. Um, but yeah, Nadal's just been on the usual run that we see from him in Roland Garros, getting past Gasquet, Norrie and Sinner quite comfortably. Uh, Diego Schwartzman has beat Jensen Liu, Ali Ashbedene, Philip Kohlschreiber and Jan-Anod Struff in straight sets, which was actually quite impressive, I think. Uh, Struff has had some, had some good wins, knocked out Andre Rublev in the first round, of course. So to get that much done in straight sets did impress me. So Schwartzman, after a very frustrating clay court and entire 2021 season, really, um, has, has, has managed to put it together with quite a kind draw, it must be said, in this tournament so far. But... I think he's, he's in better shape than he ever will be to to, to challenge Nadal here. Yeah, Schwarzman saved seven set points in that first set against uh, Jan Enestruf. Um Straight sets, but three very hard fought sets. He was leading, I think, four love in that third set and uh, Struff got it back. Uh, yeah, uh, it's hard because I, I, I've always said that Schwarzman is one of the few people that can push Nadal with the French. In 2018, 
he was the only player to get a set off Nadal uh, as as Nadal won the tournament. I think that was in the second round as well. Schwarzman won the first set in that match, um, and then Nadal obviously went on and won last year. Uh, it was actually their last meeting, straight sets Nadal, but uh, it was a tiebreak in the third. I, I think Schwarzman definitely has the ability to push Nadal. Uh, I'm not sure he has the ability to beat Nadal. I think perhaps I'm going to go for... Uh, now nah, I'll, I'll probably say Nadal in straights because um, I hesitated to go for four sets again there. But um, no, I, I'll say Nadal in straights. But uh, I, I do think we could see... Schwarzman push him. Uh, I, I don't think, maybe I'll regret saying this. I didn't see the Cinema match actually uh, yesterday. Uh, I was out for that. And it does look like Nadal was fantastic throughout the match. But from what I've seen of Nadal this tournament, uh, from his other matches, he doesn't look as good as he did last year. Uh, I, I don't know if that's just me who thinks that. Maybe I'm just trying to tell myself that because uh, I don't want him to win. But, um, I don't feel, especially that match against Poppy, in it, he wasn't quite at 100% Rafa. Um, but yeah, oh, Nadal in straight sets um, and Nadal to go on and win the tournament. So, you know, there you go. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion. It's still a very open tournament for me. So I'm going to go for Diego Schwartzman to heroically win one set against Rafael Nadal and lose the match in four. Um, so yeah, unless there's anything else you'd like to say, Michael, I think that concludes our predictions uh, on on the four men's quarterfinals. Um, so yeah, going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I do think Schwartzman can give Nadal a test or or one that he hasn't had yet in in the tournament so far. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that that rounds that off quite nicely. We're just going to move on to the women's side now. Now I was really interested to find out that these four quarterfinals are all first meetings. Um, between the two players, which makes it a, a little bit more un- unpredictable, you'd say. No head-to-head record to go off. Um, I'm going to start with the two that are on today. And, and the early match is Tamara Zidansek of Slovenia versus Paolo Bedoza of Spain. Both 23 years old, actually, so both uh, developing players with um, plenty of plenty of time to, to really up their level. Zidansek's probably main high-profile win of the tournament so far was beating Biandra, Bianca Andreescu uh, in the first round. Badoza got past Von Drusova, a decent player, uh, just outside the women's top 20 at the moment, um, such as the... The unpredictable nature of women's tennis, we've got the world number 85 versus 35 in a quarter-final match. Um, what have you made of these two? I think for me, I'm going to side with Badoza purely off the ranking, really. I know Andreescu's struggled this clay court season, so I don't really rate that win from Zidansek as, as much as, as maybe I would if it was on a hard court. Um, so, yeah, I think Badoza probably the pick here. I'm sure she will be a narrow favourite as well, but uh, obviously to make make a first quarter final um, for both players has, has been an impressive tournament. Impressive season for Bedosa. Um, her last 19 matches, she's 17 and two. Um, fantastic. She's on a, a nine match winning streak after winning the title in Belgrade uh, just before, um, then sort of making the final or semi-final in Madrid uh, and the final in Charleston. Um 
yeah, she's been fantastic on the clay all season. I, I watched them a bit of a match against, I know I think it was all of it actually against Von Drusova. Um, well, no, maybe a bit. I can't remember now. But uh, yeah, no, she did look really impressive. The the Spaniard. I have to make a firm favourite for this match. I haven't seen any of Zidane's Zek play, um, but a, a crushing win over a. Uh, uh, Castella getting a six-one in in the second set. Castella was definitely the favourite for that match and ranked down at eighty-five. You you never really know the the women's draw. I think mean, as uh, James Gray, our guest, said on the last episode, the the women's draw nowadays are, are so open. You have so many players who can win them. Uh, so certainly can't write Zidansek off. But um, for me, Bedosa is looking fantastic, uh, and I. I would strongly make her favourite to make the final uh, out of the, the four in this bottom half of the draw. I know we'll move on to Rybikina and Pavlyuchenkova in, in a minute. But um, yeah, I've, I've got to go for Bedosa, really. Just fantastic clay court season and a nine-match winning streak. Uh, those wins over Von Drusper and Bogdan are, are two really impressive wins. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that uh, that win streak, actually. 17-2, and two, that is a very nice run to have coming into the French Open. Yeah, the, as you just touched on, it's Elena Rybakina against Anastasia Pavlachenkova. Next up, uh, it's actually Pavlachenkova's seventh Grand Slam quarterfinal and she's lost the previous six. So maybe a little bit of mental fragility coming into this matchup. But Rybakina, of course, having beat Serena Williams in the last match, will be full of confidence. Um, she's eight years the the, the uh, younger than, than Pavlachenkova. So... Should have plenty of confidence there. 10 higher in the rankings. Um, not a lot to go off really here for me. Um, Pavlachenkova pulling off the shocks of beating uh, Arena Sabalenka and Victoria Azarenka. So two very impressive scalps there. But I think Rybakina just at the age of 21 might have a little bit more confidence, a little bit more exuberance. And there could potentially be some scarring from those six quarterfinal losses in the past. Across all surfaces, it, it must be said, I think she made four or five at, at the Australian Open. But yeah, I think Rybakina for me to, to make the semi-final. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, 21-year-old looking really good. That win over Serena Williams. Fantastic win. And let's talk about Serena Williams uh, just quickly. Just want to ask, um, was this the one that got away? You know, she's been trying to go for that uh, record, um, that record slam, 24th slam. Um, and Rybakina was fantastic. That has to be said. You, know, you cannot take it away from the, the 22nd in the world. But um, I look at the draw and just think if Serena isn't... I know it's not her strongest slam, but um, I, I, I feel that that... I don't want to say last chance saloon, but, um, you know, w was that the, the big chance? No, for me, I think she's she's made Grand Slam finals in the last few years and, and, and lost out to those. I, I don't see the French Open as a huge chance for her. Even if she did get to the final, I'd see her getting hammered by Sviantec at, at the moment. Um, so not really. Obviously, time's running out. You'd have to say there is a there is a clock ticking away as, as to whether she's going to be able to reach or even surpass Margaret Court. But I think she'll definitely be looking towards Wimbledon as uh, one of the biggest opportunities coming up in the, in the next few weeks. So missed opportunity. I, I don't think so. I, I didn't really see a way out of how she won this French open, to be honest. Um, even the matches that she got through to reach the fourth round weren't too convincing. Um, so no, not, not for me. Uh, obviously any, 
any Grand Slam she goes through and, uh, and doesn't take the title, she's probably going to be a, a, a little bit disappointed. Um, but yeah, it's not for me. The French Open isn't where she's she's thrived as much as in other areas of her career. So no, it wasn't a missed opportunity for me. And I think getting those uh, three wins under her belt might put her in, in a better position going into Wimbledon. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, point point made, to be fair. Um, it was more just sort of the, the level of, well, not the level of players that are left. Obviously, we've got fantastic uh, quality on there, but I, I just mean sort of with Asaka and Barty going out. Um, but, you know, I, I completely get you, and, and Swiatek definitely would have been favourite for me uh, in that final. Uh, the third quarter final, we've got Corey Goff or Coco, the 17 year old made her way into her first Grand Slam quarterfinal, which is really impressive. Uh, most notable wins for me, she beat Jennifer Brady, um, a compatriot, but Brady did retire there in, in, in the second set after losing the first one, 6-1. An impressive result uh, over Ons Jabur, the Tunisian, I think she is always a, always a tricky opponent, is Jabur, uh, to, to make it into the last eight. She faces Barbora Krejcikova, uh, who beat Alina Svitolina and Sloane Stevens on her way to this quarterfinal. So gonna be a gonna be an interesting match. Krajikova really enjoying it on the clay this season. Um 25 years old, which makes her eight years the superior of Goff, which I don't, I don't think it will be too common of a an occurrence when you're playing on the on the tour at just 25 years old. I still feel like Coco Goff seems like a bit of a wild card. Um she, she's inside the top 30 in her own right. So she deserves the chances to be to be going deep in, in these tournaments and maybe we shouldn't be so surprised. Um maybe we should just ignore her age and, and treat her as, as, as the player and the, and the level that she's been producing, which has been hugely impressive so far at this tournament. I do think Krajcikova might have a little bit too much for her, though, it must be said. No, I would I would have to disagree. Uh, I'm not surprised at all that Coco Goff has got this far. She's looking fantastic. Um, we, we said about Bedosa having a 17-2 and two over her last 19. Uh, Coco Goff is 13-1 and one over her last 14 after winning uh, in Parma just before coming to uh, the, the French Open. She's on a nine-match winning streak. Um, hasn't dropped a set at the French so far. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got to go for Goff in straights in this one. I think uh, she looks fantastic. Um, obviously, I make Suantec favourite, of course. Um, Zachary could really push Suantec or go on to that match. But um, after that, I, I maybe would say Coco Goff for me is the... Well, after Bedosa as well, maybe. I, I really like uh, Coco Goff's chances at this tournament. Um, that said, you know, I haven't seen so much of, of Krajcikova play. Um, but uh, I'm... I'm Really, really impressed by what we're seeing. It still, it feels like she should be younger than seventeen, um, because it was the last Wimbledon she was fifteen. Obviously, we haven't had another Wimbledon since then. Um, so I don't know. It still feels like she should actually be younger than seventeen. But um, she looks like she's coping with the pressure really well um, on court. She's always really level-headed. Don't see her getting frustrated. Hopefully, you know that stays. If she can do that at seventeen, hopefully she'll be able to do it throughout her career, which. Judging by what we're seeing so far, she could be fantastic. And and I know James Gray said on our last episode that we need to stop talking about Margaret Court at some point and that record. Um, perhaps Coco Goff is is the one that's gonna 
it can supersede it. I know that's maybe a bit of a stretch considering she's in her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really, really impressed with the American and I, I really don't see her having a problem in this match. Yeah, only time will tell for that one. Uh, the bottom quarterfinal is the two highest players, uh, highest ranked players left in the tournament on the women's side. So Maria Sakri versus Iga Swiatek, as you just touched on. Uh, Swiatek, the Polish defending champion, hasn't dropped a set yet. Uh, Sakari getting past Sofia Kenin, last year's finalist in, in the fourth round. Quite an impressive win. But for me, I think Swiatek really is the player to beat here. She's looking so good, so comfortable on the clay. Has literally been blitzing opponents and I don't see Sakari as, as too much of a threat to that in her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. Uh, Sviontek was my pick to win the tournament before, uh, before it started. That still remains the case and particularly in this last date, you'd have to say she is the standout name. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely Sviontek to me, for me. I think it will be a, her trickiest match of the tournament so far, but I, I see no problems for the pole. Yeah, I have to agree. Looking really good, uh, having a good time uh, playing doubles as well. Um, I think her and her uh, women's doubles partner, Matic Sands, uh, saved quite a few match points in their last match and, and won. And it was great to just see the smile on Skontek's face after that, you know, loving every minute of, of being here right now. And, and you do have to say that for the first time, there is probably a lot of pressure on her. She's never lost at Roland Garris, of course. Um, and... Yeah, uh, this this is a tough match. Sakari looked very good against Kenin. Kenin wasn't quite at it. Um, she hasn't maybe been having the best year. Kenin, uh, for me, it was a surprise to see her get that far. I thought she did she did really well, but um, I, I wasn't sure her form going into it was was good enough. But um, I think Sakari definitely challenges Swiatek probably more than Goff or Krychikova will in the semi final. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's hard to see anything other than a Swiatek win. Um, she is looking so good. Uh, she actually was hitting with Rafa the other day, um, training with with Nadal. I think that's always a, a good a good thing to be doing on the clay. Um, seems like those two uh, get on quite well off the court. Um, so yeah, I'm sure she will use that uh, to to her advantage and 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 Swiatek to win in, in straight sets for sure. But um, Definitely feel a little bit like Diego Schwartzman against Nadal. I definitely feel Sakari could could real really push you on tech and perhaps get a set. So moving on from the French Open, there is one tournament just getting underway today, which I know me and Michael would like to touch on just at the end of this episode, but obviously we've got eight incredible quarterfinal matches to look forward to in the next couple of days. Um, that tournament that I'm talking about is in Stuttgart. And finally, we have the return to grass court tennis on the tour. Um, it feels like it's been such a long time. I know we both had a little bit of trouble pick, uh, choosing our, our selections for this tournament with, with little to go on form was kind of out the window. Uh, you've got Denis Shapovalov as the top seed and Uber Urkacz as the second seed in this tournament. And also some, some old timers of the grass court game. You've got Marin Cilic, you've got Sam Query in there, Feliciano Lopez, of course. What did you make of the lineup in Stuttgart just from, from the outset? Yeah, I love the lineup. Uh, I, I'd love to be there. I know the two of us are going to... Uh 
Eastbourne in a couple of weeks. Uh, so really excited about the grass court season, of course. Um, really nice lineup at Stuttgart, I think, for being in the second week of a Grand Slam. Uh, there's always the the danger that certain players won't be at it because obviously they'll still be in the French. But um, you've definitely got your sort of textbook grass court players uh, at this one. Uh, for me, um, what did you want us to go through? Quarterfinals or just go for who, who we've got to win it? I was just going to run through my semi-finals and who I've got yeah. to win it. Just keep it short and sweet. Yeah, OK. So my first semi-final, I've got uh, Marin Cilic to face Dominic Kopfer. Um, got Dominic Kopfer to continue his good form that he showed in France. Hopefully that Federer retirement will uh, fire him up a little bit, feel like he's got some unfinished business uh, to attend to. Uh, the second semi-final, I've got Marton Futsovics against Uber Herkash, two players that I don't really know what their grass games are like, to be honest. I saw Herkash play against Djokovic at the last Wimbledon. Um, that was obviously quite a long time ago and before Herkash had sort of become the established player that he is now, uh, hasn't enjoyed a good clay court season at all. Um, but I, I do like his little quarter of the draw. You know, he's got a um, potential match against the the youngster, Dominic Stricker, uh, which could be really interesting. Of course, don't know what his grass court game's like. Um, be great to see Stricker get a win there and, and sort of, sort of uh, I know he got a good win a couple of weeks ago, I think. I think that was against Marin Cilic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've actually got Marin Cilic to win the tournament. I, I don't really know why. I think just kind of like good on a grass court, um, good server. The conditions kind of match him nicely. I've got him to beat Uber Herkash in the final. I'm not really sure why I picked Herkash to the final, to be honest. It is a, a real hard one uh, to predict, to be honest. Uh, I've got a few of the seeds going out quite quickly. Um, Cilic, of course, beating... Shapovalov, um, Felix Auger-Aliassime, I've got losing to Lloyd George Harris in, in his first match. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. Jordan Stuttgart, I think anyone could win it other than Adrian Manorino. Yeah, I think um, Chilich would be happy to move on from the clay and maybe that'll spur him on in Stuttgart. I've actually got the same final as you, Chilich Urkac, what are the chances? But I've gone for Uber Hercatch to win it. Um, similarly, you know, in line with you, I'm not really sure what his grass court game is, but given what a good hard court season he had compared to a poor clay court season, for some reason for me, I'm turning that into an equation, which means equals might be all right on grass. Uh, so hopefully the, the Polish player can, can take the title there. I've uh, got one difference in the semi-finals. I do have Kurtfer to play Chilich as you did. And I do have Lloyd Harris to meet Uber catch in the semi-final rather than Martin Fuchovic. Um So yeah, it could be quite a similar draw when we, when we actually get to see both of ours. But yeah, um, going to be interesting to see how they get on, on the grass in Stuttgart. Um, and just as we try and sort of uh, hedge our bets and sort of make our own estimations of how we think everyone's looking going into Wimbledon. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. That's uh, all the quarterfinals at the French Open covered and a little bit on Stuttgart. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and uh, thanks for joining me, Michael. Thank you very much. Looking forward to another day of tennis.